Thank you, Doug Apple. This is Lowell Jackson, and we call this time on Wave 94 Fellowship, a word we're trying to, uh, I believe, recover to its New Testament uh, definition of uh, being in the flow of the wonderful triune God that uh, is described at some points in the scripture as the fountain of life. And um, he is our source. We can have fellowship with God. He can have fellowship with us. We can have fellowship with the apostles. We can have fellowship with one another. It is a beautiful thing. I want to share uh, just a little bit of fellowship before we have a very special guest on today. Um, And I believe it's a key principle in living the Christian life. I believe it also needs to be recovered that uh, means that it's been glossed over, overlooked, covered up, um, you name it, whatever you find recovery uh, means to you. Um, and it's something that uh, is crucial to us making progress, I believe, in our Christian life. Uh, someone has said, and I believe uh, it was Augustine, but our scholar we're going to have on in a few minutes may correct me, said that the um, the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. Let me share some verses with you from both Testaments and see if you can see a pattern throughout God's Word. First verse comes from Exodus chapter 16, verse 35. It says, And the children of Israel ate the manna forty years until they came to the inhabitable land, until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Um, You probably remember that story. The manna came every morning. And the Lord was trying to transition them from Egyptian slave living to the good land. And they needed um, something in between. They needed a process. They had been Egyptian uh, constituted. They'd been in the Egyptian culture. They'd been eating Egyptian food. And as an old preacher told me one time, uh, the Lord got them quickly out of uh, Egypt, but uh, couldn't get Egypt out of them so quickly. So they wandered around for 40 years. But the Lord fed them every morning with this uh, unusual uh, diet called manna. I'm told uh, that uh, in the Hebrew, uh, manna means, what is it? What is it? Uh, You may remember that in Numbers chapter 11, verse 6, our predecessors, these traveling um, Israelites, uh, complained. They said, but now our appetite is gone. There's nothing, there's nothing at all but this manna to eat. A little further um, on in the uh, Old Testament, Exodus chapter 16, verse 21 And they gathered it morning by morning, each one according to his eating. And when the sun became hot, it melted. You starting to see the principle here? Morning by morning. Song of Songs, as you know, is a very romantic book. Um, But it starts out... uh, in a particular way in this relationship. Song, Song of Songs, chapter 7, verse 12 says, Let us rise up early 
And the latter part of the verse says, I will give you my love. So you see a pattern here that there's early uh, morning. In Exodus uh, 16.32, the word says, This is what Jehovah has commanded. Uh, Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread which I feed you in the wilderness when I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So there's a pattern here, I believe, developing even in the uh, journey of our predecessors uh, of this morning nourishment. Let me uh, transition and start weaving in a little bit of the New Testament because I believe that that is a picture in the Old Testament, a sign of a greater reality that was to come. In John 6, 32 and 33, the Lord Jesus said, My Father gives you the true bread. Now, why would he add that adjective? The true bread. The true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. You like that term, the bread of God? And then in verse 48, same chapter, the Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In verse 57, the same chapter, he said, as the living father has sent me and I live because of the father. So he who eats me shall also live because of me. Uh, Verse 51, same chapter. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And in same chapter, John 6, the Lord says, Work not for the food which perishes. May I interrupt God's word here and say, Does that sound like American culture? Does that sound like the American economy? Does that sound like uh, the treadmill that uh, modern-day Egypt, a a type of uh, America being a type of Egypt, wants to get us on? Let me go back to the pure word of God here. Work not for the food which perishes, but for the food which abides unto eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. In uh, Psalm 119, one of the longest chapters in the Bible, the scripture says, Your word is very pure, and your servant loves it. Um, The Lord promises in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, To him who overcomes, I will give the hidden manna, and to him I will give a white stone. I believe uh, the summary of those verses is that uh, the Lord wants to feed us with a different food from the culture that is around us and that we've been taking in. And uh, this food really is a person. The Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is the one who came down out of heaven. Um, Let me 
support uh, my burden here with a few more verses. Psalm 119, this time verse 147, the psalmist said, I anticipated the dawn and cried out. I hoped in your words. Psalm 57 verse 8, awaken the dawn. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3, in Jehovah's loving kindness that we are it's Jehovah's loving kindness that we're not consumed for his compassions do not fail for they are new every morning every morning Psalm 88:13 I've cried out to you and in the morning my prayer comes before you Now how about the pattern the God man the firstborn the Lord Jesus himself what was his pattern in Mark one thirty-five, it says, rising up very early in the morning. Um, the, the pattern in Exodus was they gathered it morning by morning. And as you remember the verse I read, if they waited too long, it, uh, it melted. It melted. So the pattern uh, we shared yesterday is that in our Christian life, it's measured out to us in days. The Lord said, I will be with you all the days of your life. It's not measured out to us in years and months and weeks. The Lord measures our life to us in days. We're just like a, if you look at a brick house, it was put together one brick at a time. The bricks, if I may use that term, of our human life are the days. And we we need a new start every morning with the Lord. I believe that's the pattern. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that we need to be renewed day by day, not week by week, not um, season by season. But day by day, our human life, our journey, the time God has measured to us is in days. And the way to respect the Lord, honor the Lord, worship the Lord is to start the day with him. Give him the day open to him in the morning like a flower opens to the sun. Let me uh, leave you with a verse way back in Judges, chapter 5, verse 31. May all your enemies so perish, O Jehovah, but may those who love him be like the sun, S-U-N. May those who love him be like the sun when it rises in its might. Do you think that one day when we stand before the Lord, He will tell us that all of the positive things in the universe were a picture, a sign, and even the sun itself, the S-U-N, rising every morning, ending the darkness, bringing uh, growth and brightness to the earth, was really a picture of what he he wants to be to us. I like that term, those who love him will be like the sun, S-U-N. How about we uh, open up to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, I'd like to start every morning with you. And and maybe you can only give the Lord five minutes. Ten would be better. 
15 would be better, but maybe five is the place to start. And um, you say, well, I've tried that, and I, I don't know where to start. Uh, I don't know what to do. Um, I believe what the Lord is looking for is honesty, transparency, genuineness, realness. Lord, I just want to open to you and give this day back to you. You gave it to me. I want to give it back to you. I want you to increase in me today. Increase in my enjoyment, my experience of you, my appreciation of you, my speaking for you. And I want to give you some help in doing that. Um, if you need a little help in getting started, and this by no means is a is a grand uh, Bible study, but if you will register your email address at emana.com, they will send you during the night an email. You open it up in the morning, and it'll have a few verses of Scripture. That's the most important part of the email. It's, by the way, a very short email. But the email starts with a few verses of Scripture. Try to spend five minutes reading, rereading, reading again, reading again those verses. Just uh, chewing on them. As Jeremiah said, I found your words and I did eat them. Um, so just trying to uh, get all we can out of uh, God's Word. Then um, there are, uh, with those verses, a few paragraphs of what I have found to be light on God's Word. Some help in uh, seeing perhaps more in those verses. Seeing the application, the practicality uh, of those verses. And, you know, all of this can be uh, not a whole lot of time. But I believe we want to be like the S-U-N. Uh, we love the Lord. We want to rise up and uh, seek His shining and begin the day with Him. If you'd like to go to, by the way, this is a free service, no charge. It's um, just go to uh, www.emana.com. That's e m a n n a dot com. E m a n n a dot com. Just give him your email address. And they'll start sending you some uh, morning nourishment uh, from God's Word. We're going to be back in just a moment with some fellowship with a special guest. And uh, Doug Apple will take care of uh, the in-between here. Stay tuned. many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Romans chapter 12 verse 5. The purpose of God's salvation is to have Christ reproduced in millions of saints that they may become the members of his body, not separate and complete individual units, but parts of a living, functioning, coordinated corporate whole. Although these parts have different functions, they are not detached from one another. Rather, each member is organically joined to all the others, and each needs the function of all the others. 
Scripture and Commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit recoveryversion.org. Hi, my name is Penny, and I meet with the church in Tallahassee. In Ezekiel 44, there's a unique phrase that says, You shall come near to me to minister to me. And it also says that the basis for the ministry to the Lord, the basic requirement for ministering to the Lord, is to draw near to the Lord. That no one can minister to Him without drawing near to Him. No one can minister to the Lord without approaching Him in prayer. Spiritual power is not the power of preaching, but the power of praying. How much you pray indicates how much inner strength you really possess. No spiritual matter requires more strength than prayer. If you would like to pray with a group in your neighborhood of twos or threes and pray with us, 850-692-9558. We meet in small groups for prayer all over Tallahassee, and we welcome you. 850-692-9558. Super duper helper here that makes us uh, look smart, Doug Apple. Thank you, Doug. Um, As you know, if you've been listening a few times to what we do during this time on Wave 94, we like to uh, visit and fellowship with uh, fellow believers who are going on in the Lord. And today, our guest uh, once again is David Hull. And David, you probably are the longest-running professor, instructor, teacher over at uh, Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, right? I don't know that I'm the longest-running one, (laughs) but I'm the only full-time one. Okay. And have been for quite a while, yes. Well, that's quite a track record. I've been there since about 94, I believe, 95. 94. Yes, sir. So those that plug in uh, now are going to get the benefit of all the Lord's been doing uh, in uh, in your heart and mind and studies since uh, 1994, right? Well, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, David, I wanted to uh, dig a little deeper um, into the topic that you're going to be doing. Um, it's a Saturday workshop coming up a week from this coming Saturday, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, give us a little introduction to that. Maybe then we can talk about it. Well, uh, it's only four hours long, and there's no week, no way we can possibly cover this subject. People, in my experience, often favor the New Testament over the Old Testament. They seem to kind of shy away from the Old Testament and, and like the New Testament, and it's largely a, about the church. And yet it seems that there is so much of the New Testament that is not really practiced today or seen today that uh, there is quite a, a discrepancy or distance between what we see back then and what we see today. Uh, and there's so much to be learned. And so there's plenty to be discussed in terms of how the church functioned, uh, how uh, the, the church grew. We learned things in the book of Acts and the letters that were written 
that we couldn't really learn any other way. Uh, once you get outside of the Bible, there are all kinds of things that folks have done through the ages, but the New Testament is a unique book. Uh, the book of Acts is unique within the New Testament. So we can do many things, but um, we're going to look at the New Testament and, and try to restrict ourselves to what the New Testament had to say. And uh, so there's rich ground, rich territory in there. And I, I'm going to leave it open, uh, at least to some extent, to what uh, the students uh, would like to get into. And uh, so I, I think it'll be a, a very interesting time. And uh, we'll see where the Lord leads us. Well, David, I like one thing you said there about uh, just going to dig into the New Testament and see what it says. I've, I've, it seems to me that in my upcoming appointment, which may be sooner than I think with the Lord and his evaluation of my time on planet Earth, um, that he can rightfully hold me responsible for what I did with the scriptures. Did I go by it? live by it, embrace it, um, practice it, uh, because unlike a lot of people, even today in the world, cannot freely have what you've got in front of you, the scriptures opened up freely, read, and even in public. I get together with some friends about once a week in a coffee shop. <laughs> That's about as public as you can get. We sit there and open the Bible and read and share with one another. Not too, not all people in the world can do that. And our freedom, I believe, brings with it uh, responsibility. Uh, this topic that you're going to be like, digging into is what does the New Testament say about uh, the church? Um it, it seems like to me, and you correct me if or add or subtract, that the church is the center uh, of uh, the focal point other than the person of Christ himself. And even Christ himself is uh, corporately the church. But um, so much of uh, what is in the New Testament is to be practiced in the context of the church. And as you know better than I, so much of the uh, the New Testament itself was written to the church. And then Paul said, don't you just read it, but you pass it around to others. So it seems like very much the church was on the mind of the Spirit in uh, bringing us, you know, the New Testament. Um, this, and I like, like I mentioned earlier, um, the... Um, I forgot now who said that, that the uh, Old Testament uh, is revealed in the New Testament and the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. Maybe I got that quote somewhat. No, you said Augustine, and he, he said that, and a number of others along the way have said similar things. Mm -hmm. Yes, that sounds correct. But it looks like the people of Israel, the children of Israel, I don't know why the Lord called them children. Maybe they were immature, but <laughs> um, we're a picture and our predecessors in trying to uh, follow the Lord on planet Earth. Um, and it was a similar concept um, of uh, being a people who have been called out to um, be the Lord's unique possession and expression. Um and, and I know you're, you're very good at Greek. Uh, maybe you can just tell us what that word church means, New Testament-wise. Well, as you said, called out ones. 
um, very familiar term. Uh, we read about many are called, but few are choose. Few are chosen. Uh, the idea is that, in a, in a sense, like someone might uh, call f- folks in for dinner, but not everybody responds. Hmm. Some children continue to play out in the yard r- rather than come in, and so he's he's called people, but not everybody responds. And so, in a sense, the the church are the ones that have responded to the call. So. I don't need to correct you. You're, you are already correct. That, that sounds good. Well, um, David, I believe uh, kind of like the uh, our predecessors there, the Israelis who have uh, been in Egyptian, Egypt, Egypt so long, um, we have let our culture and, um, you know, maybe our traditions – Define what church is, rather than the what I believe is the thirty-six inch yardstick that you're using, the New Testament, to be measured uh, everything everything by. I, I think we're so trained by our tradition or by our culture that when you say the word church, everybody pictures the building. In fact, um, we sometimes, well, not a lot. I think a lot of times we Americans say go. To church, uh, have you ever seen that term in the Bible? No, sir. <laughs> so that's maybe uh, uh, another example of uh, our culture uh, tainting, or and we need to recover what I think you're trying to do in this uh, this half day workshop coming up Saturday week. Is you know what what does the Scripture say about church? Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what you're going to be sharing or guiding folks into uh, into researching? Well, I, I agree very much with what you said. Matthew 15 and Mark 7 uh, include uh, passages in which Jesus speaks at length about that, that the traditions of men void the Word of God. And uh, even with respect to that, there's nothing in Scripture that talks about going to church. And so Jesus has spoken very clearly, and his apostles have spoken very clearly by his spirit on the subject. And yet uh, the church has many traditions that are, are nothing like what are revealed in Scripture, and yet we're going to do them anyway. And uh, in my experience, there are, are things that are, are very clearly revealed, and um, people are, are quite uh, okay with much of that, but you cross somebody's tradition, and you can very quickly find that people get upset and livid and outraged and all kinds of things, and churches uh, will divide and uh, friendships will be uh, lost very quickly over the breaking of traditions. And uh, so you're correct about that. Uh, Jesus talked about it, uh, such as in Luke six forty six and elsewhere. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And so God has spoken on the matter, and yet uh, folks along the way have invented many other things that uh, are, are contrary to His Word, and and folks are are quite comfortable with much of that. Second uh, John one nine talks about that uh, he goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God 
he who abides in teaching uh, has both the Father and the Son. So if you stay right with Scripture, you are okay. You've got what God has to say on the subject. You, in effect, as some might say, go off the reservation. Hmm. You're on your own. That's, That's man's word, but you don't have God's word. So if you stay with the Bible, you stay with the word of God, you're safe and you're secure. As I've often said, God's word is solid, it's sound, everything else is suspect. Man's word is suspect. Um, my opinion, your opinion, everybody's opinion um, is open to question. And God's word is solid and is sound, and we, we can count on that. And if we stick with that, then we, we can know that we're right. And so it, it's just not a safe or wise course of action to choose something other than what God has revealed. I think it says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. And what you described is a pattern today in our behavior. Um, the Lord ran into and I wish I had your memory of exact chapter and verse, but I believe several times the Lord was telling the, uh, the Bible scholars um, that they were uh, treasuring tradition, uh, and that's what was blocking them from realizing that they were really face-to-face with God, with God incarnate, mm-hmm. and that tradition was a, was a block. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I could remember the address, but <laughs> I think our our listeners can uh, Google that and uh, f- figure it out. But uh, that's uh, was a um, a challenge, uh, even when the Lord was uh, walking around, talking, preaching, and sharing and teaching. Um, you mentioned that um, Acts, which. Uh, I think we believers need to treasure. It's not exactly a diary. Maybe you can help my uh, description. Uh, but it is a, a, perhaps a chronicle of how the believers were to go on with the resurrected, now invisible Christ. They've been following him as the physical Christ. How were they to go on and now follow him uh, invisibly um, and know him leading and continue on in the faith. And I remember, um, I think, Acts chapter 2, that they uh, it says they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship. And it seems like, David, this should be what we treasure. Yes, sir. This should be our, our roadmap, the apostles' teaching, mm-hmm. because these Different ones help us to, uh, from different angles, but yet it's it's one to uh, see what truth is, and uh, we see and learn from uh, the chronicles there in um, in Acts how they uh, tr- tried to practice. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, it was I believe day by day, mm-hmm. not week by week, mm-hmm. yes, uh, but day by day, and. Uh, house to house, and very much a kind of living. Yes, Um, sir. And it seems like our culture and our society wants to dictate our living, what occupies us, our values. And uh, again, we have this uh, 
view, if we're not careful, that our culture or tradition will give us that, oh, yeah, well, one, one hour a week we take a little detour and uh, swing through the church. That's right. And they better not go more than 59 minutes. That's right. That, that peer pressure from inside as well as outside is relentless. It's very powerful. Um, it seems like when the Spirit wanted to uh, share something with these churches that were popping up with the divine uh, help, that um, a letter from an apostle was typically the way the Spirit used, and it was addressed to the church in Ephesus, the church in Philippi, the church in Laodicea, the uh, church in Corinth, the church. uh, And so uh, they would read these uh, letters from the apostles, and I believe in more than one case, it says that uh, the church, the letter should be shared, circulated among all the churches, which would indicate that there's one teaching, one line to follow. But again, the, uh, the instructions, the revelation, the teaching, the practices, the fellowship of the apostles was directed, sent to um, the church in that city. That might be hard to do today. Yes, sir. Very difficult. Very difficult. But but you're correct. If the Lord wanted to send a letter to uh, the the Christians in Tallahassee, Mm -hmm. it uh, would have some logistical problems. Maybe the thing to do would be to send it to this radio station. (laughs) (laughs) You'd say, Doug Apple, you need to read this letter from God. That that would get it out to (laughs) to the church. Well, I would hope that every Christian in in Tallahassee would be listening at that point, because otherwise they might miss the epistle. To the the messenger of the church in Tallahassee, (laughs) Doug Apple. I'm sure Doug Apple would probably like that uh, label, among others. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd be a messenger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. but it, it just seems like to me, David, that I'm, tell me if I'm too simple, that when the Lord looks upon the earth, looks upon a region, as, as Galatia, I believe, was a region, or looks upon a city, um, like uh, Corinth, of course, was a city, that he sees two kinds of people, only two kinds. He sees those that are his and those that are not yet his. That's a good way of looking at it. Is it okay? And those that are his, he uh, ref- he would put uh, a label on them, a possessive label of uh, the Greek word, I believe, is, you can please correct me, is ekklesia, which we translate church. Correct. So he calls the ones that are his the church. The called out ones. I believe ek means out and lacia means. Comes from the Greek verb kaleo, which means I call. Okay. Yes, you're correct. So we're not only called to him, but we're called out of all of this others. Like called out of the world. Yes. Right. Even in the book of Revelation, when he's writing to people that have sinned grievously, he tells them to repent, which apparently holds out the hope that they will. So. Mm-hmm. You expressed it very well. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, I think this is probably the enemy's worst nightmare that uh, we would see the kinds of things that you're going to be bringing out in the seminar, that uh, the church is on God's heart. It is a practice. Um, there, there are clear examples and principles and pictures and other things in the New Testament. Um, but if we uh, started to practice and live in a certain way that it's laid out here, God's opponent might have a problem. Well, we might too often feel like or act like we're grasshoppers in a land of giants, but we're not. The gates of Hades or death will not prevail against the church. We know we're on the right and victorious side. Mm -hmm. We know how the game ends. Mm -hmm. So does the gates of Hades uh, not prevailing, does that mean the church is is, uh, attacking? Right. The the church is the attacking force. Mm -hmm. We're not the passive force. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it seems like that uh, Hades might represent uh, captivity. We need to go in and snatch them out. Right. We're 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 the ones on on the offense, mm-hmm. supposedly, mm-hmm. and death can't resist the onslaught. Mm-hmm. Jesus conquered death. The last enemy is death, and Jesus conquered death. David, what are some of the things that uh, you have seen in your study of this many times and have and teaching it many times as you'll be bringing out in the workshop the seminar um, about the church in the New Testament well one thing is the matter of salvation how to be saved and that if you listen to various people uh, with the hundreds and even thousands of denominations around the world there are all kinds of things said, all kinds of answers, and yet if you look at the New Testament, there's very clear testimony about that. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, you see that by the power of the Holy Spirit, victories are won, bridges are crossed, uh, barriers are broken down. The church starts off as a, a tiny little group consisting entirely of Jews, and then they cross uh, language barriers in chapter 2. You see uh, folks that are in prison that miraculously get out of prison. You see uh, ethnic barriers crossed. You see uh, folks that require healing, they're crossed. You see uh, folks that have committed sins, and there's a breakdown of fellowship in the church, and that problem gets dealt with. In Acts chapter 6, there's an issue in the church about uh, alleged discrimination. That problem gets dealt with. Acts chapter 7, there's this issue of Stephen being arrested, and he becomes stoned, and that could really cause a, a great deal of grief and distress to the church. And that's successfully uh, dealt with. Uh, And Paul was involved in that. In Acts chapter 8, there's a story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, He says, what hinders me to be baptized? Well, he had several things going against him. And you see that uh, that is successfully countered. So as you go through the book of Acts, you see uh, a number 
of um, confrontations, problems that are successfully dealt with. And so um, that's a, a, a real story, as you say, chronicles uh, of trials, difficulties that are successfully met, chapter after chapter. And then uh, the book concludes in a, in a very interesting way. Uh, people have debated for years and years about why the book of Acts ends the way it does. And it gets hidden in most English translations. But I, I believe that Luke, by the Spirit, ends it exactly the way he wants to. So what I'm getting at here is that folks today in church after church and in everyone's life, we have problems. What are we going to do? Person's sick. You have death. You have church after church with problems. What do you do? Well, the book of Acts shows that by God's power and by the people of God coming together, you overcome the problems. So many churches, there's division. There's lack of forgiveness. There's hatred and all kinds of animosity. And I believe that God can demonstrate, all right, when there's a problem, when you turn to God and you stick together, you overcome the problem. Too often what happens is instead there's hatred and churches split and the church receives criticism. God's name becomes maligned and criticized. But in the book of Acts, you see that there's triumph and there's victory. And so I've seen that also. So uh, when when people look at the book of Acts, and uh, this is my long-winded answer to your question, uh, folks say, well, what happened? Why does the book of Acts and when it does, folks say, well, did Luke die before he was finished? Uh, was there going to be a volume three? What was the, the situation? Well, what occurs is Paul got arrested. He went to Rome. And in Greek, the book ends with an adverb that is rarely used, occurs nowhere else in the New Testament, unhinderedly. Hmm. Paul is under house arrest, and he preaches the kingdom of God. He didn't have to go traveling around. He's an older man, and he preaches the kingdom of God unhinderedly. All these challenges have been met, and he doesn't have to go anywhere. People come to him, and he's there at home. And so all these things, chapter after chapter, time after time, have been successfully met. And so if we would do what we are shown in the book of Acts, and if we would meet these challenges the way the, the church did with God in their midst, we could have the same kinds of results. And so time and time again, I see uh, in life when we don't do what the book of Acts shows us in the church, we have failure and loss. So churches that uh, tend to have existed longer, they build up histories, and folks don't forgive each other, and there's hatred and animosity and all these kinds of things. And uh, we don't see that kind of thing in the New Testament, by and large. We see they come together, and they have victory in Jesus. And that's how the book of ends. As Paul preached the kingdom of God unhinderedly, the church had explosive growth, and God was glorified. And I, I have seen that in the ministry. I've seen that in church uh, time and time again. So David, we have the help choice. my memory, I think Acts has 27 chapters, is that right? 28. 28. And um, you, uh, as, I, as you were talking about how it ends, 
it does doesn't seem to have a conclusion uh, like most of the other epistles, you know, say something like, uh, hope to see you soon, uh, grace and peace be with you, or he ends Second Timothy with the Lord be with your spirit, uh, grace be with you. But I had a brother one time that uh, shared with me that maybe the reason that the Chronicles, uh, the diary here, which we call Acts, um, doesn't have kind of a firm sign-off is because it's still being written. Well, I've heard that. And mm-hmm. people say, well, we're Acts 29 and all that kind of thing. And and what I'm saying is I believe it very much does have a solid conclusion. But I believe many of the translations mask that um, because there's this unusual word. It only occurs this one time in the entire New Testament. And translations very often don't show it. So l- let me just go ahead and read sure. these two verses. Uh, Paul as a subject, verses 30 and 31 of Acts 28. He stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhinderedly. I think that's a magnificent conclusion. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think he ran out of parchment or ink. That's it. What needs to be said? Mm-hmm. The end. Boom. You make a good point about uh, the, the chronicles here, the diary, uh, the history of the church in Acts. They had to deal with all of these uh, cultural issues, racial issues, doctrinal issues, disputes about what you couldn't eat and what you couldn't could not eat. And yet uh, today, it seems like uh, we have... Um, the body of Christ has been divided by a lo- uh, along a lot of the same lines. You know, you uh, is you might help my memory there, but I believe in one congregation there was uh, some poor people and some rich people, and there was some fellowship about how you know you take care of the, the widows and those that uh, don't have much. But yet, um, so many churches um, probably. Uh, the affluent and the the poor are not in this under the same roof. Uh, many churches have almost all the same race. Um, many congregations have been set up based on one particular doctrine that is really treasured or valued more than the one accord. Um, there's a verse, uh, I believe it's in um, in Ephesians. It said until. Um, we all arrive at the oneness of the faith. And it sounds like to me that's a journey. Mm-hmm. And we're probably never uh, going to agree on every aspect of eschatology, of uh, doctrine, of truth, of uh, this or that, whatever you want to want to call it. Uh, but it's a journey. But And I think a lot of times we believers have confused the oneness of the faith, which I believe there is the objective faith, you know, what we believe. Uh, and that's a trip, that's a journey, arrive at the oneness of the faith. We've confused that with the oneness of the Spirit and says, well, because we don't believe uh, the same about gifts or we don't believe the same about baptism or we don't this and that, um, we'll just kind of go do our thing. Um, 
But as you have pointed out, I think in, in earlier discussions, the oneness uh, is to be kept, is to be treasured. The Lord died for it. It's a gift. Um, now, the oneness uh, of the body is different, I think, from the one accord. Uh, one accord is just kind of working things out. Uh, the oneness is, is God's gift. We have been baptized into Christ. We are in the body. We are members one of another, I think the scripture says. So uh, it looks like to me, you know, we've kind of gone full circle in some of the things that were a problem that, as you well pointed out, were worked out in Acts, uh, have risen up again, and maybe we're not working our way through them. It seems so. It seems so. Paul said, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, you've got God's Word. I think of that as a large circle. Mm -hmm. So you've got what God has to say, and outside of that, there's man's word. Mm-hmm. And so you have all kinds of competing voices outside of that. Let's say you've got your little denomination and Doug's got his and I've got mine and maybe I've got seven things that I think are important and you got your five and he's got his nine and I'm trying to get people to join with people with people that agree with me and you're calling to get people to agree with you. You're never going to have unity that way. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to have unity is if we keep pointing people toward God's word and toward him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to try to have people coming toward me. Mm-hmm. So we all have our signs up with our buildings around town. And so I'm competing against you and he's competing against us. And we're not working toward unity. What if all these signs, if, if there need to be any signs at all, which is open to question, what if we just had signs that say, Christians meet here? All the signs said Christians meet here. <laughs> uh, people say, well, you, you can't have that. That's not acceptable. Who knows what you might encounter? Mm-hmm. You know, I need to know, uh, you know, am, am I going to be safe there? They might believe this, and, and I don't know what I'm going to run into. And so we we would probably think, well, that's unacceptable. That's intolerable. But uh, how are you going to have no divisions? How are you going to have unity if it's man-focused instead of Mm God-focused? So uh, we've had uh, 1,900 years plus to to try to get this right, and I don't see we're making progress. Mm. I remember decades ago, uh, there's a book called Frank Mead's Handbook of Denominations in the United States. And I read through it, and it had about 450 denominations, and then looked at <laughs> edition three and edition four and edition five, and the list got longer and longer. And I remember hearing years ago there were about uh, 15,000, then 23,000. Now I hear about 40, 45,000 different denominations in the world. We're making progress in the wrong direction. But where, where's the the unity? And you mentioned it the other day, John 17, that we'd be perfect in unity. We all be one as God is one. How, how can we do this as long as we're man-centered? You know, and you talked about there's one church in each city, and that's exactly right. 
Have you ever seen any place in the New Testament where there was more than one church in a city? No, sir. Nope. That sounds like a clear word, David. Yes, sir. I, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Totally. Oh, well, may the Lord uh, recover. It, it would just also seem, too, that uh, our American individualism that we pride ourselves in, that, you know, we decide and we choose, and um, has gotten in the way of seeing Christians as an or, or organism, as the body of Christ, with a head and with members. And, uh, you know, we all know what happens if, if there's a, uh, an amputating, a severing of our own body. Uh, but our own body is just a picture of the body of Christ. And um, it, it, we need to be joined one to another uh, this little pinky here is so dependent on the instructions to come from the head. He, he doesn't do anything <laughs> without those instructions from the head. And he benefits greatly from uh, the flow of supply and life from the shoulder, down the arm, through the hand. Um, and about the worst thing that could happen to this little pinky is to be severed. Absolutely. Be cut off. Um and then we start to have to settle for other things rather than life. Um, I read a title of a new book that just came out. The author just sent it to me. Um, he's been very much a um, defender of truth. Uh, and he's, he, his motto has been for decades, truth matters. And we say amen to that. And then he's added uh, a second line that life matters more. Well, that's good. Got my attention. Um, because um, w w this, what you described earlier is everybody's attempt to be right. And when we, go, when we go back to first two chapters of Genesis, I think most of the time in our kind of Sunday school mind, we think of uh, the tree of uh, a bad tree and a good tree. But one tree had good on it as well as evil. And, uh, you know, that reminds me of trying to be right. And the other tree was a tree of life, which to me is a picture of the Lord wanting to be, as I read earlier, uh, life to us. He came and said, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, Zoe life that we touched on a couple of days ago is uh, how we start our Christian life being born anew with a new life. Uh, but yet we don't seem to want to continue that way with uh, a focus and enjoyment of life. We get caught up into uh, other things, and the enemy seems to be very, very successful in taking the body of Christ and severing it with race, severing it with language, severing it with verses or doctrine, uh, severing it with culture, severing it with uh, economic uh, distinctions, uh, severing it with different parts of town. It's almost like if anything that will work, the enemy will use it to divide the body. I appreciate what you said there out of John chapter 6 about the bread of life. Uh, something that doesn't show up in English translations when he's talking about eating his flesh. Uh, 
he changes the word for eat as he moves through the chapter. He uses the normal, general, everyday word for eat, estheo, uh, as he goes through there. But when he gets up to verse 54, he uses the very uncommon word trogo, which means feast. And uh, starting verse 54, four times, uh, unless you trogo my flesh, trogo, four times. It's like uh, when the, the people were eating in the days of Noah and then the flood came, they were feasting, they were partying. And you use the word enjoy, enjoying the Christian life, uh, really getting into this um, matter of enjoying Christ and enjoying the church and one another. So I, I really appreciated your, your talking about all of that. Well, you make a wonderful point. I, I believe the the Lord wants uh, our experience of Him and our, our Christian experience to be one of a, of a feast. Yes, he, sir. He is uh, a feast. Yes, sir. And um, uh, I think that's such a festive, enjoyable picture of what He wants our our Christian uh, life to be. Um, and you know, I was, and I have great uh, indebtedness to my. When I was growing up, uh, my dad was a Baptist preacher. I got saved as a, in the Baptist realm. I appreciate that very much because there was an emphasis there on the gospel and an emphasis on uh, baptism. Um, we s- commemorated, celebrated, whatever the, pri- the right word is, uh, com- so-called communion, I think once a quarter. Um, and when I got into... I think it was Acts. It said something like uh, they uh, gathered um, on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7. <laughs> I love having you around, David. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the other half of the brain that I need, brother. <laughs> I think people like it more when I leave. <laughs> so uh, this this was a, a weekly uh, commemoration looking at the, the elements, the symbols on the table that uh, God wants to be our feast. Well, I need to run here because Doug Apple is going to hit me in just a minute, but you need to sign up for this workshop, tcctc.org. It's the church in the New Testament, tcctc.org. Actually, time got away from me. <laughs> 